Good morning, good morning, good morning, Village Church. Giving unto God, who's the head of our lives and author and the finisher of our faith, to the ministers on the roster, Pastor Alex Shipman, First Lady, to each of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd like to invite you to the Village Church and hear your announcements. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Amen. Our vision broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect with all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offering, and along <coughs> sorry, and uh, offering along with our social media platform, all in one place. You can scan the QR code located on the worship guide. With your phone cameras, you, you get a, a short link when, when clicked. Navigate to the web page with a list of every link that you would need concerning our church. If you're a guest today, welcome. We ask that you scan the QR code and click the link provided for the TVCSB. Then click, click on the menu item for the first time guest. At the Village Church, we believe that the, gifting, the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and the mission of the church by scanning the QR link, uh, link tree code and using the menu item entitled TVC Giving. This will direct you to the link on our webpage, or you, you, may, you may mail a check to our address at 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Sunday, July the 31st, during morning worship, there will be the commissioning of our women shepherds. So that's a celebration for us. We may clap. Amen. Amen. And then also we got another opportunity for us. Everyone is invited to a church family night next Sunday evening, July the 31st. Here at the TVC from 6 to 8, there will be games, relay race, music, and a chance of fellowship together as summer break comes to an end. We will provide a hot dog dinner with chips, drink, and ice cream. If you want to bring the camping chairs and side dish to share, rain or shine, we hope all, our entire church family can join us for this fun event. Now, I've been instructed to tell you, you may bring your dog, your cat, your fish and bring the whole aquarium if you like because we want everybody in attendance without any excuses so please do come out and join us amen 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 i do have another announcement for us another opportunity for us at the village church for us to serve and uh we've been really uh, make, looking forward to making a strong push to be involved in the community and by doing so, doing so, we can actually establish relationships and um, influence our community and have an active faith. So what I'm about to read to you is an opportunity for us to get engaged and get involved. So hear me out. For several years, TVC did a community outreach in October, Trunk or Treat. It was popular and there was significant community turnout. Then COVID happened and we had to take a break. During the church's calendar planning meeting on Saturday, the question was asked, can we do Trunk or Treat this year? Somebody said yes. I like it. I like it. I like the way you're thinking already. He said to answer this, 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 to answer this, we need people who are willing to lead or serve 
on a team to be in charge of this event. This is Trunk or Treat that happens every year in October. Um, in the past, it has always been Larry who's pushed the uh, agenda. Uh, he's done a significant job, great job, and it's always been a large turnout. And it's a great opportunity to meet out with the kids. And the kids are our future, and I'm not, I'm not Whitney Houston, I mean it. They are the future of our church, they are the future of this world, and it's important for us to make sure that we're investing in them so we can get the right return that God wants from us. Amen? These are your announcements. Please govern yourself accordingly. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Y'all awake this morning. Right, like, amen. Um, I want to share with you these words from Psalm 6930. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Please stand with us if you are able as we take these next few moments and preparing our hearts and minds for worship to think about what we have as a body, as, as individuals to be thankful for and sing, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord.
worship this morning is from 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 33 please join with me where it notes people and you will find it on the screen or on your worship guide therefore you are great O Lord God for there is none like you and there is no God besides you According to all that we have heard with our ears. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, no. 
This very last song that we sang, there's a passage that says, I will join with the earth to sing praises to you. And Lord, unfortunately, sometimes I need to be reminded by your plants, your animals. They wake up in the morning. The animals wake up in the morning. The birds sing praises to you. Uh, I, I, I understand and I imagine that uh, in places like Africa and India, lions and tigers, they roar when they're hungry saying, I need food. I can't do this on my own. But you're human beings. We think we can. Lord, have mercy. Again, I'm reminded from Psalms 19, uh, beginning in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiworks. Day to day pour out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Just a few weeks uh, a few weeks ago, we saw the results of the, the, the James Webb telescope. Lord, your creation at the, the ends of what we are able to discover of the universe. Simply amazing. The colors, the lights, the structures, uh, simply amazing. Lord, you are holy. You are righteous. You alone are worthy of of worship and praise and we live in humble adoration we worship you we bless you amen our confession of sin comes from 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
please join me in a moment of silent meditation, uh, considering how we do, how, the, I, how I love the world, how you love the world. Please join me. as we genuinely repent even of our love of the created things and over the love of the creator as we repent our assurance of pardon comes from again 1st John chapter 2 now verse 17 and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever amen Our scripture reading for for today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 52. Uh, Would you please stand if you are able uh, for the reading of of God's word. Mark 10, beginning in 35. Many of you may may uh, have heard the term or, or be familiar with servant leadership regardless of whether it is being advocated in a Christian community or a secular community, this is where the, 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 uh, the, the information, the motivation comes from, uh, the passage that we're about to read, beginning at 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I will drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And the ten heard it. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant. At James and John. And Jesus came to them and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and they and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, 
have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get get up and, correction, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me cover let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the reading of the Word of God. Please have your seat. I think I'd have been amiss if I didn't do this this morning. Um, I left out a very, very important announcement, more than any other other announcement we made. We have a young man in the audience who who has just made 79 years on Friday. This man has been here longer than I probably can remember. I think when the Lord turned on the lights, he was there waiting. He was here serving, and he's been serving for a long time, I think more than a decade, because I've been here for a long time, and I'm getting old. But I want to, I want Larry to stand up and then and just stand up, Mr. Larry Bricker. This man probably put up a fight with Jesus, with serving his people and his community. And uh, I want to say you are valued here. We appreciate you. We thank you for all that you do do. I love you. You are my friend. And the church would not be the same without you. Happy birthday to you, young man.
humility as a rhythm of God's grace. And the text, of course, is Matthew is Mark 10, verses 35 through 52. And this text will present two ways people can approach Jesus. Two ways. One way is acceptable. The other way is unacceptable. One way is prideful, and the other way is humble. So which way are you on? Which way do you, are you currently approaching Jesus of Nazareth? So please pray with and for me again. Holy Spirit, uh, desperately as I pray uh, each Sunday that I stand in the pulpit, need for you to move. I need for you to move in the hearts of everyone that's here and those who may be tuning in online. And I pray that you move in my heart, that you will move away my pride, that I would decrease and Christ would increase. Because preaching is not about the, the preacher. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. This, this is not my word to your people. This is your word to your people. And you know where everyone here is dealing with. Even those who are here who may not have faith in you, you still know what they need. You're, you're, you're not a God who's dependent upon our praise to exist. You would get it from the rocks if we don't give it to you. So, Lord Jesus, have mercy. Holy Spirit, give us humble hearts. Give us teachable hearts. And I pray that you would minister to us holistically today. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. In Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 52, Jesus is presented with two requests. The, the first request is, is unacceptable and it's prideful. And this request is not a rhythm of God's grace. Please know that. Your pride is not a rhythm of God's grace. And this request comes from two of his disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And one day the two brothers approach Jesus to make their proper request. They, they come and say to Jesus, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, please notice the other disciples are not there with these two in this request. Not even Peter, who is part of Jesus' inner circle with James and John. The brothers are thinking only of themselves here. Jesus says to them, what do y'all want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And here's their response. Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. That's unacceptable. That's pride. And that request is not a rhythm of God's grace. It's a rhythm of worldliness and of sin the two brothers here are thinking too highly of their abilities, too highly of their gifts, too highly of their importance, too highly of their roles. They're thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to. In the Message Bible, the brothers say to Jesus, arrange it so that we will be rewarded the highest places of honor in your glory, Jesus. Arrange it? Arrange it for us? They want privilege. They want power. They want prosperity. 
And if you didn't know that, that's the unholy trinity of American dream right there. Privilege, power, prosperity. They want status. They want wealth. They want recognition. They want glory. They want to be Christian famous. Do you want to be Christian famous? Which is not really famous, but it's Christian famous. And I believe the church in America approaches Jesus like these brothers. We want Jesus to arrange it so that we would be rewarded the highest places of honor in America. We want power, prosperity, and privilege. It may look differently, but we want it. And that's and this unacceptable and proper request comes from a misunderstanding of Jesus' earthly ministry. See, the brothers used the phrase, in your glory, as a reference to Jesus being crowned king. It's a reference to Jesus establishing his earthly kingdom after he defeats the Romans. And once he takes the throne, James and John, they want him to arrange it so they can get some of those benefits. We want those seats of highest honor in your kingdom. One at your right and one at your left hand. Think about this request. When you're at the king's right hand and left hand, it means you're important. It means you're part of the inner circle, the royal court, the cabinet. And when you're in those positions, you have power, you have privilege, and you have prosperity. And there's even an urgency behind their request. They need Jesus to move quickly. He, they want Jesus to promise this to them beforehand. Promise us, Jesus, that when you take the throne, you're going to put us at your right and left hand. Why is that? Because there's only room for two people at the king's right and left hand. There ain't room for the other disciples. There ain't room for the other ten. See, the brothers are thinking ahead. They're planning. They don't went to their little. They don't had that little parking lot conversation about when Jesus become king. You know, we gotta be looking out for each other. You know, we're brothers. Those we got kin to them. But when he become king, we and you gonna get those seats. We gonna get those seats. They want to make sure when Jesus reaches the mountaintop, he does not forget about them. Don't forget about us. We want you to spread around that power, that wealth, and that prosperity. But Jesus isn't going to grant their prideful request. Please know that. Jesus does not grant you. He said he's not here to make sure you live in pride. He's not going to give you his glory. He gives you a lot, but he ain't ever going to give you that. He's not going to arrange it so that they can have these important seats. They are not going to sit at Jesus' right hand and left hand. And Jesus tells them no. Have you ever heard a sermon preached on when Jesus says no? And so when he says no, that's grace too. And he doesn't stop the discussion. He responds to the brothers. And his response to the brothers, it ministers to their pride and it ministers to their misunderstanding. For they fully don't understand what they're asking of Jesus. And nor do they understand his ministry. They don't understand the path that Jesus has to take in order to enter his glory. Look at verse 38. He says to the brothers, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Now, this cup and baptism 
represents something different than what the brothers think. It don't represent worldly privilege, power, and prosperity. They don't represent earthly glory. They represent suffering. Suffering. You see, you want that cup? You see, you want a taste of that baptism? Back in verses 32 and 34, Jesus tells them about the cup and baptism that's to come. He says, we are going to Jerusalem. And the son of man will be delivered up over to the high priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. That's his cup. That's his baptism. Jesus' path to glory is through the suffering of the cross, not an earthly war with the Romans. It's a cup of suffering. Baptism of death, a crown of thorns. Are you sure you want it? Are you sure you want to be like Jesus? James and John, they confidently, they say, we are able, Lord. And notice what Jesus does. He agrees with them. Because both of them will suffer. And if you know anything how the disciples' life, they all suffered to the day they died. Look at verse 49. Jesus said, the cup, that I, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant. It is for those from whom it has been prepared. Now, the brother's plan don't go unnoticed by the other ten. Okay. They catch wind of what the brothers are doing. The text says, when the ten heard of it, they became indignant with them. The message Bible said, they lost their tempers with James and John. The question is, is it righteous anger? Or is it jealousy? Because they beat them to the punch. That's not righteous anger. It's not Christ-centered. It's man-centered. Because they want the same thing. And if we're honest, so do we. So do we. We want to be with Jesus because we think he'd make our life easier and comfortable. But it's far from that. All the disciples here, they want to sit in those seats of honor beside Jesus and his earthly kingdom. And if we're completely honest with ourselves, the church in America, we want the same thing. And here's the thing. If you think God's favor is always seen in prosperity, privilege, and power, then you are deceiving yourself. Those are not always signs of God's blessing. They're not. And here's a principle for us this morning. Here's a principle for all of us. It's so typical for believers and local churches and denominations and, and parachurch ministries to assume that somehow they have a closer end with Jesus than the counterparts. Jesus is in my tribe. He's in my camp. He's in my political party. He's in my church and my small group. He's in our youth group. He's in my campus ministry. He's at my conference. We wrongly assume the king of kings attaches himself to our coattails and agendas. He's, he doesn't do that. 
and nor does he bless our attempt to steal his glory. In verses 42, Jesus tells the disciples, he calls the disciples to himself. And this whole situation has turned into a teachable moment for the disciples. Because Jesus could have got angry with them, but he was gracious to them. He ministers to their pride and their selfishness and misunderstanding with grace. He says to them, you know those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And that is not a good thing. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be servant of all. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. You want greatness? Serve. Be a slave to others voluntarily. Jesus calls his disciples to humility and away from pride. He wants them to exercise authority and leadership with a humble spirit that is willing to serve others. What's your model of leadership, of authority? If it's not Jesus, then what is it? He tells them in verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does that mean, Pastor? I'll tell you what this means. Jesus has made arrangements for you for something. He has made arrangements. And it's not for worldly glory and Christian fame. He has arranged it so that you can be made right with God. He has arranged the only way that your sins can be forgiven. He has arranged the only way that you can have peace and hope. He has arranged the only way in which uh, you can be God's beloved sons and daughters. He has arranged the only way in which you can truly be made whole. So the question is, what do you want him to arrange for you? Wholeness? A foolishness. Pride or humility. Jesus made all these arrangements for you by freely ransoming his life for you. See, we, sometimes you need to remember what God had to do to get you out of where you used to be. Because when you've been a Christian for a long time, you think you've always been on God's side. I've always been on God's side. No, you haven't. Who did Jesus die for? Who did he die for? Enemies. Enemies. Think about that. Would you die for an enemy? Probably not. And that is what Jesus is saying. He ransomed his life for people who basically didn't have anything to do with him. And he arranged it so those individuals can become beloved, so they can become saints, so they can become sons and daughters of a holy king. That's the arrangement he has made for you. And he made that arrangement by dying in your place. His life, death, and resurrection. And that is the gospel. And that gospel does not get old. If that bores you, then you need to go to your prayer closet. Because there's nothing else that's going to give you joy 
if what Jesus has done for you doesn't. So there's nothing you can do to, to outdo what he did. You trying to do what Jesus done is you trying to race someone that's faster than you in the hundred yard dash. Like you're not going to catch them. Okay, the fastest person in the world, they will be part of the finish line before you get out of your block. And if you're trying to earn your salvation, that's you. You're still in the block. Jesus already the finish line. Already there. And the good news is you don't have to do any of that. All you got to do is surrender. Kids, all you got to do is surrender. Because you got a Savior. The question is, what kind? What kind? I hope you understand that what you understand about Jesus influences how you approach him. It influences what you ask of him. It influences what you expect of him. And it influences what you do for him. Who is the Jesus you are approaching this morning? Who is he? Is he the one you expect to arrange your life in such a way that you get high status, you get no sufferings, always promises? Is he the one you expect to arrange this church in such a way that, that this church gets glory? Is Jesus the one that you have mastered? Is he the one who, who's holding on to your coattails? Is he the one who conforms to your agenda? We all have a Jesus that's created in our own imagination. And we call, I call that Plato Jesus, one that you can mold and shape. Whatever you need him to be, you wake up and you mold him. And I got to tell you, Jesus, when it comes to stuff like that, he's like homie the clown. Like, I don't play that. I do not play that. He does not play that. You don't mold and shape Jesus. He molds and shapes you. He molds and shapes you. So we should come to Jesus in the words of one old hymn that says, Jesus cast a look on me. Give me sweet simplicity. Make me poor and keep me low, seeking only thee to know all that feeds my busy pride, cast it evermore aside. Did you even know what feeds your busy pride? And are you willing to ask Jesus to cast it aside? And it takes humility that will lead you to ask that question. Humility. Humility is a rhythm of God's grace. It is the acceptable approach that you have, where you can approach Jesus and other people. We see this approach in the second request made to Jesus. It comes from Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And he's not one of the 12 disciples. He's not part of the large crowd in Jericho that follows Jesus. He's not Christian famous, don't have no podcasts and, and a famous blog. Bartimaeus is described as a poor, as a blind, poor beggar. He's needy. And a lot of us don't like needy people, right? And one day, while sitting on the side of the road, 
Bartimaeus, he, Bartimaeus overhears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming down the road. Now, he's never seen Jesus because he's blind, but he's heard stories about this Jesus of Nazareth, how he treats people and how he heals people and how he loves people. And so Jesus passes by and Bartimaeus cries out to him from the roadside, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a humble plea. That's an acceptable request. But notice how the people traveling with Jesus, that they don't like it. They consider Bartimaeus' plea an interruption and a distraction. So they rebuke him. They tell him to be silent. Think about that, y'all. It's unloving. Bartimaeus is asking for mercy from the roadside, but the crowd rebukes him for it. Or oh, we like that crowd. He's asking for mercy, but the crowd tell him to shut up. Are we telling people to shut up? He's asking for Jesus, but they tell him, Jesus does not have time for people like you. Are we telling people the same? The crowd assumes they know the type of people Jesus would minister to. They assume they know the type of people Jesus would hang around. They rebuke Bartimaeus, telling him to be silent as if Jesus is too busy to hear his plea, as if Jesus is too famous to associate with people like Bartimaeus, as if Jesus is too popular to associate with people who are lower class. Do you know what their rebuking is communicating to him? It communicates to Bartimaeus that Jesus' time is too valuable to be wasted on him. Jesus doesn't have time for your plea for mercy. And they try to silence him, basically telling him to sit on the side of the road and do what you do best. Be blind, be poor, and beg, and leave Jesus alone. Let Jesus pass you by, Bartimaeus. doesn't have time for you. He is seen and treated as unimportant and insignificant, more of a burden to society than a help. But he doesn't let these people silence him. He resists their rebuke and judgment. And he cries out to Jesus all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And I love what happens next. And you're going to witness Jesus' humility. The text says he stops. He doesn't pass him by. He doesn't pretend like he he doesn't hear Bartimaeus' plea. And I love this because it shows us that Jesus welcomes all kinds of people. He doesn't tap dance around our suffering and pain. He ministers to them. The text says, and Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling to you. And Bartimaeus gets up, he springs off his cloak, and he comes to Jesus. And Jesus asks him one question. You should know the question. What do you want me to do for you? Does that question sound familiar? He asked the disciple the same question. He's asking you the same question. What do you want me to do for you. The disciples wanted glory. Bartimaeus wants mercy. What do you want? 
The only one of us can, the only way you can ask Jesus for glory is if you think you're at his level. Just because he does life with you doesn't mean you're at his level. He lowered his standards to be with you. Okay? He left glory to be with you. He says, teacher, I want to see. Let me recover my sight. And Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. And he recovers his sight and he follows Jesus. Bartimaeus, he approaches Jesus out of blindness and brokenness and neediness. When you become a Christian, you still needy. You still have blind spots in your life. You still have broken places in your life. You're never going to graduate from a place where you need less mercy from Jesus. So what do you want him to do for you? Mercy, Lord. Mercy for my life. Mercy for my relationships. Mercy for my finances. Mercy, Lord. Mercy for my mental health. And for me, mercy for my overweightness. Because I need to do better. In his blindness, Bartimaeus sees more of Jesus than all those people following him on that road, including his 12 disciples and including us. I hope you know what this title means, Son of David. I hope you know what that title means. It's a messianic title. It's a kingly title. Second Samuel 7, verses 15 through 16 says, But my steadfast love would not depart from him as I took it from Saul, Saul, whom I put away before me. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne will be an everlasting throne. Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise to King David. You see, Jesus isn't going to become king. He's already king. Did you catch that? He's not going to become king. He was born king. Son of David, have mercy on me. King, have mercy on me. One of my favorite quotes from Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings series, he says, the hands of a king are the hands of a healer. And what do you see Jesus doing here? Healing. Healing. He heals this man. Bartimaeus approached Jesus as a person who is under Jesus, not as a person who is on the same level as him. And for some of us, when we're Christians for so long and when we're in leadership, we deceive ourselves to thinking that one day I'm going to be at Jesus' level. You will never be at Jesus' level. You will always be at his feet, like Bartimaeus. So the question is, what kind of church member are you going to be? A Bartimaeus type of church member or like James and John? What type of pastor and elder, husband and spouse, siblings are you going to be? Prideful or merciful and humble? What do you really want Jesus to do for you? Be honest. Be honest. For some of us, your heart really don't want this. And that's the first start of healing is being real and transparent. In your heart of hearts, you, I want each of you tonight 
in, in your prayer closet, when you're alone, ask the Spirit, what do I really want Jesus to do for me? Don't give what I'm giving you tonight, today, because I just gave it to you. What do you really want? Before you came in here today, what would that answer be? Pride or humility, glory or mercy. Bartimaeus or James and John. Those are your options. Life or death are before you. Which would you choose? I'm going to close with this hymn, another old hymn. It says, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Trusting only in thy merit, would I seek thy face. Heal my broken and wounded spirit and save me by thy grace. Thou the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom I have on earth besides thee, whom in heaven but thee. Make that your prayer for the rest of your life, saints. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you do not pass us by. Even right now, you're here with us. And my prayer is that those who have never cried out to you for salvation, I pray they will cry out right now. For those of us who have been walking with you for years, I pray that we will continue to cry out and for mercy, not glory, but mercy. So Holy Spirit, go with us, watch over us, provide for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will work the rhythm of humility in all of our hearts. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand, saints, as we close our service.
benediction to his beloved. And now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And the Lord be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another, saints.